them sentiments down to a minimum studious gluteous maxim models is sending home pics of they jenny tally a tallied up ten of them i slurp too many pain kills down i'm off a lot i got a lot of off days but it ain't often and i'm off the clock y'all know what i mean i got the chicago blues we invented rock before the stones got through we just aiming back cause the cops shot you buck buck bang bang yelling fuck news we a cop buckle up motherfuck ops too ain't no knuckling up young cause it's just not cool nice to see you five the new year little finger uncle samuel shooting death with weighted dice and hitting stains on birthday candles i know somebody somebody loves my ass all right, well, we're back, and we were talking offline about some stuff. So, but I don't even, you know what? I don't even want to get into it because this is not the place for us to talk about hip hop, you know, duos and who's the best and all this. But to pay homage because it's clearly outcast. To pay homage to the greatest hip hop duo that's ever existed. This week, the name of the episode is going to be the Tyler Black Stars. We are the Tyler Black Stars. <laughs> uh, okay, I like that one. To, to just like I said, to give respects to the greatest hip hop duo of all time. Um, but no, I mean, me and you, this, this is the thing. I can't believe you got up in arms because this has been a take that I've put out there in a, in multiple places, kind of, you know, behind closed doors. I haven't put it out in the public, but I'll put it out here right now. If people want to come at me, they can. But my argument is that the best overall rap duo, rap group, I would even open it to groups when it comes to the quality of the, the rappers in the groups, pound for pound, both members are all members of the group. UGK is the best rap duo that's ever existed. Just if you compare the quality, because as if they were both solo rappers, I think that they would both be better than any other group if they were solo rappers. And I understand, I can hear where you're coming from with the argument that you would make, because it's the only group that I even would like kind of even like give some like credence to an argument for, but like, you know, that's just for me, UGK, that's the, the quality of both members, comparatively to any other group, there's not a lot of other groups where the quality of all the members in the group are that is that high. All right. So you said um, the Tyler Black Stars. Yes. So alternatively, I think we can do the Underground Kings of Wrestling. Yes. Ooh, that's 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 pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I. No, like UGK would be my number two. Right. It's just um. Yeah, and I think that's like, a, that's the thing is that Outcast would be my number two. So like you know, it's like a it's a pretty like I I can see the flip flop there, and I think we can both agree that you know, the international players anthem, the hybrid of both groups, is like, one of, of course, the greatest like, songs the, of all time. The, exactly. So yeah. it's like Right. It's like it's like a strong middle ground here. Like I like I wouldn't like sit here and fight you. Like when I'm like when I say that I'm joking, but like with Outcast, I think Andre and Big Boy are like top 10 rappers ever right so that's why it's a little hard for me to like do like the whole best group thing i'm like there's two top 10 rappers ever 
in the same duo. So I'm like, <laughs> like that's like that's how how I'm always going to lean on that. Right, and that's and that I mean again is a good point. I would say like the to me it's like the 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 music box love below kind of split had some some bangers on it, but to me like overall felt a little bit forced it was a little gimmicky uh, i love i love the love below like, the love below was really good but i felt like, music like i really box, love it music box felt it just felt like like it was like it didn't it wasn't at the same level like love below yeah, felt I, like an I, all-time I, album and then yeah yeah you know what i mean so I don't, I don't think um big boy really got great with his solo stuff or his attempts at solo stuff until we got to, um sir lucius left foot which is like yes. seven years after the fact right and, yeah, so like, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's part of it, like, for me, for that. It's also, like, the other part of it that I'll say is, like, sometimes I'll give Andre, like, he can be a little bit out there, a little bit experimental, and a little bit, like, straddling the line where it's hard to call him a 100% rapper. You know what I mean? Right, okay. So that's, like, the only, that's, like, kind of the caveats for that that make it harder for me. Like, Bumby, Pimp C, I think both could be in the argument i'm top 10 all time probably not but top 20 i think both of them could be um and i think that there's no argument that they're both not like rappers you know what i mean like through and through there's like not really like that questionable like with andre like i said where you can kind of sometimes talk about some of the shit that he does and it's a little bit out there you know it's like i get what you're coming from with andre but then it's like if he went full kid cuddy and was like doing here like speeding bullet to heaven or wizard type projects then i get it but it's like he does like straddle like r&b-ish uh more alternative but at the end of the day like when he comes when he like when you see an under 3000 feature it's not like he's coming in there singing he's always coming in there with a full like rap verse that he's doing right which is yeah i mean it's probably just me being a little bit a little bit pedantic and but yeah and it's also part of it too is that like you know i i I come at this stuff a little bit more from the hardcore kind of like I like the street element of, of rap in a lot of ways. And I think that Outkast has that, but they also kind of like softened their image in a lot of ways, too. Yeah, so, that's what they were when they first came in. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> they're talking about, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so it's always a, like a weird thing with Outkast because I feel like we all, like, people always forget because, like, oh, yeah, these are the guys that made Hey Ya. And that song was all over the place in 2003, and they made uh, Miss Jackson and Rosa Parks and Bombs Over Baghdad that people just think of them that way. And it's like Southern play Southern playlist of Cadillac music. They're r- rapping about robbing people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's such a weird uh, dichotomy we have now with like pop outcasts and what people come to know as like a big um, 20th and 21st century. Um, musical like musically defining act outcast and then like two kids from georgia that were stick-up kids right yeah and i mean you know at alien and equimini are like still seminal records for all time mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like that is while maybe not completely like you know gangster rap like especially not um equimini is not like that like starts to get into that trippy kind of stuff but in a lot of ways i mean that's I enjoy that stuff too, like conscious rap stuff that gets into like kind of trippy psychedelic shit, like even like um, trip hop type stuff. Like, so like that in a lot of ways kind of kicked off. Not, I wouldn't say completely, but like did borrow from some of the elements of like from trip hop and things like that too, in a, in a really fun way. Especially having the roots in, you know, the South 
and still like playing with that. So that's why, like when I talk about Andre, like for pushing the, the boundaries of stuff, like, and it, I, I use it as a handicap against him. It's also like something that I really enjoy because I like the idea that someone who can have that like authentic, real background and like something that like you can't really question that he comes from, you know, where he comes from in his real life is also still open to like being attracted to stuff. And like Andre, I mean, Kendrick being one of like the most fucking popular rappers on the planet out of nowhere, like you know, this might sound like really fucking like, um, kind of like being simplistic or like derivative or whatever it is like, but like Andre in a lot of ways can pave the, the, the way for someone like Kendrick to be a little bit weird, even if he's not like, completely as weird as even Andre goes like it's completely acceptable and then like young thug like I don't think that there's a young thug without an Andre 3000 you know so that's why like when I can make like this kind of like an attack on him it's like of course it's coming from a place of love because I I fucking love Outkast and I think that the shit that Andre did was amazing and I think that he did pave the way for people to be okay with being a little bit weird and Andre never like pushed the boundaries completely like to the level that people are now but like yeah, I think there's a lot of rappers now that people look at and they're like, oh, they're doing white boy shit. And it's like, I don't think anyone would ever have said that about Andre. But in a lot of ways, he kind of like cut his like kind of pushed the vanguard of what was acceptable in like the hip hop realm for like black guys to do and, you know, be kind of like doing white boy shit, you know? All right. So I have a question for you. Okay. What is Seth Rollins' favorite outcast song? Oh, fuck. Um... He would probably try to say it's Rosa Parks, but we all know that it's probably just Bombs Over Baghdad. Is it even Bombs Over Baghdad? Like, for even Seth, like for Seth Rollins, that seems like sort of a deep cut. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't... Ugh. Damn. I mean, probably Hey Ya, I get moved. Like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What can he slam dance to? That's the real... The it real probably would be Hey Ya, but, but, but then I imagine him, like singing along to roses and like doing like yeah. like a big old like like real nasally in midwestern caroline like it is like real it's like directly drilling into my brain right now right yeah i could i could definitely see him getting into it you know um but <laughs> jesus this is i mean okay we're, we're going to have to move forward i think a little bit um the reason why we're even talking about uh Seth Rollins to begin with um, is because he had a big he had a big week on the Twitter um, and so I don't know like he calls out just that he's the best wrestler on the planet I love that the person who fucking speaks up is Will Ospreay which is like I guess he's Will Ospreay is becoming like the fucking um, like the, the, the flagship poster boy for this podcast, unfortunately. We seem to talk about him on every episode, and, and we both, for rightfully so, I mean, we both have heralded him for a long time, right? Um, yeah, so it's like, it's not even like we're like, we wanted to talk about him, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> it we're, just kind of keeps happening. It. I'm not pushing right. it, but like, there was a time, probably a few years ago, where if me and you were on a podcast, talking about Will Ospreay would make sense. I mean, I think we did that attack show. It was the first time that he showed up in attack and he had that killer um, match with Pete Dunne. Yeah. Yeah. That 24 seven title match with Pete Dunne. That was fucking amazing. And we talked about that years ago, probably at this point, maybe like a year or two years ago. Um, And like, that was like authentic. We wanted to talk about how great that match was and it really was, but 
now it's this, all this time later and we can't fucking stop talking about him for as much as I would <laughs> honestly like to. Um, and this, the crazy thing about this Twitter beef that he gets into with Seth Rollins here is that this is like the fucking hallmark of like Will Ospreay should lose, right? We should be talking shit about Will Ospreay. Historically, like, that's the craziest part about this this fight here is that Seth Rollins has not really caused a lot of trouble on social media over the years. Even at the heyday of the backlash in ROH against him, um, when he won the championship, when he was like, he was the golden boy and the poster boy and like, oh, you know, he, oh, next world champ, next world champ. I remember that shit. And then when he finally won the title, people were, like, let down at his title reign. Um, and people were talking shit about him on the internet and nothing from Seth Rollins. But Will Ospreay, historically, is a fucking asshole and bad on social media. Like, there's no question about that. So, for all intents and purposes, like, Seth Rollins should just murk this dude on social media and make, you know, him look like an idiot. But Osprey just completely comes across coming out great out of this smelling like flowers coming out of this. Um, and it was just, it was fucking insane. Like what happened here? Like it was weird. Cause it's like, it wasn't even just like Seth Rollins thinks he's the best wrestler in the world, which is like, you know what? Fine. You're the, um, biggest champ in the biggest company in the world. And like, you've always sort of prided yourself on being a work great guy. So like, in his mind, those things are going hand in hand, whatever. Like, I don't particularly care. But it was like, WWE is the best wrestling on the planet. And I'm tired of being disrespected. And everyone talks down about WWE. And I'm tired of it. And we're not standing for it anymore. And it's like, you're in the biggest company in the world. And you're focusing so much on the people that don't like your product. And granted, like, there's a <laughs> clearly a lot of people that aren't liking the product anymore. But, like how the ratings are looking and the moves they're making are uh, looking going at going into this uh, Fox deal for SmackDown. But still, it's WWE. Like, there are people that love and talk about it way more than people that hate it. And to just go on that screen is like... For, like It's like complete anti-WWE 101. Like, I feel like in that company, you're, like, you kind of get told, like, hey, this is the big time. Like, don't worry about all, like, the negative outside shit because that doesn't matter. That's the small time. And that's a vocal, that's a quote-unquote vocal minority. And here Seth Rollins is being seen WWE, but he's, like, going against, like, every WWE thing in the playbook for how to conduct yourself. Well, and, okay, so the reports are that Vince put it out there to the wrestlers that he wanted people to spout off on social media positively about WWE because he, you know, the way that it was, I heard reported was that he was sick and tired of all the social media stuff was about other companies are good and no one's talking about WWE being good. So Seth as the champion, as the guy, and I heard someone compare him to Shawn Michaels in this situation and that made a lot of sense to me about what's popping off here, what's going on. So is this, did this work? Is this, did Seth send the message to Vince that Vince wants here? Or did, like, did he fuck up royally enough that even Vince is not going to believe that Seth comes out looking good on this? I still think WWE believes in the any press is good press mentality. So even if Seth Rollins comes out of this looking like a real fucking weirdo, I bet back there they're like, oh, yeah, I'm like glad you took up for WWE like that. That's what a top guy is supposed to do. And 
all that shit and get a whole bunch of backpats when he um when they see him next time. But that didn't help anybody. That didn't help WWE. No one talked about how good WWE was because of that. It was like for the people that they're focusing on about talking about all this other wrestling, that didn't make them look good to those other people. So while we know that they sort of looked like assholes and complete idiots, I bet that back there and whatever meetings and whatever higher ups and whatever guys in the locker room are talking about that are so proud to be in WWE, they were like, yeah, you showed them what this is about over here. Right, and it feels weird because it comes back to, you You mentioned that and it made me think about, like, where is the argument pro Seth Rollins here in this conversation? Because you, you can say the money, but Osprey is drawing good houses for New Japan. Maybe he's not making the same money as WWE, but there is, like, the, the conversation about, like, WWE as a business machine and how much of that really is Seth, all this and that, whatever. None of that matters. But then if you, like, try to get into the, the minutia of it, it's like, well... And then this feels like I'm getting into that really stupid argument that that Dave Meltzer was making, like, you know, before All In, talking about, like, you know, Kenny Omega being added to the show draws all these tickets, and I don't necessarily know that even John Cena could do that. But, but you know, that was ridiculous, comparing Kenny Omega to John Cena, but Osprey to, to Rollins, like, for a crowd outside of WWE, right? Okay, so John, definitely, you announced John Cena on any wrestling show, and... I can almost guarantee you probably sell an extra, you know, 5,000 tickets. Like, that, I, I don't think that that's out of the question. If you have the tickets to sell. Like, I honestly think that that's not crazy to believe that John Cena, especially outside of WWE, I think people would be excited to see him. Seth Rollins, is it the same conversation? Do you think that, that for sure Seth Rollins could draw, outside of the WWE parameters, Seth Rollins could draw more fans than Will Ospreay? Because... Will Ospreay has a history. Like, Will Ospreay coming back to PWG, coming back to Evolve, coming back to companies that he's has a history in, coming back to OTT. You know, he's, you know, coming Billy back to o- progress, like. Billy Ospreay, you know, coming back to progress. He actually makes a difference. Does Seth Rollins showing up on any show actually make a difference? I mean, like, I think anyone that's fresh off leaving WWE is going to have some sort of impact at first. Okay, sorry, because let me interrupt you quickly, because I'm framing it as right now, not even leaving. Because I'm saying Osprey could still be signed to New Japan, and he shows up anywhere. Okay, so you're thinking like Seth Rollins being on a card. Just being added to a card, yeah, but but WWE is allowing him. All right, all right, all right. Um... maybe but i don't think it's super significant yeah i don't think I don't that there's th- a huge yeah. difference yeah i don't think they're super super significant all right so like let's do this if evolve said that seth rollins was coming in on one night of a double header and then will osprey is coming in for the next night which show has a bigger house I honestly think like it's dependent on matchups on like I really do. And I kind of think that Osprey might get a bigger house really because he feels more like that's crazy. Well, especially because you say evolve part of it too, is that evolve has the connection to WWE. And I think that people might think like, well, if WWE is letting him show up on this show, they'll let him show up on another show. But Osprey, mm. you could 
you could really make yourself believe he's not coming back because Osprey has like only shown up to evolve here and there, like rarely, you know. Right. But with Rollins, it's so strange to me, like, like how hard he went on this thing, and maybe it's just as simple as he really cares about his work and really cares about where he's doing it and takes pride in the company he's a part of and the weight that's on his shoulders currently. Because Rollins has always wanted to be the top guy in WWE, but has never really got the chance. And as shitty as this is, like, in a world where they've, like, de-pushed Roman Reigns post-cancer and where, like, AJ Styles is um now start, start, starting to slide back down the card and all that stuff, Rollins is the top guy in the company now. Right. And seeing how much he, like, values the company and all that stuff and making it in WWE over, like, people that he called his friends was really weird and that leads us into the Rollins podcast where he talks about uh, Moxley walking out and not even walking out um, not renewing his contract I know (laughs) yeah um, so I saw the quotes from that and I almost like literally couldn't believe what I was reading had to double take it kind of shit and one it's like so shocking to you because it's like damn you would think those guys are friends and i think rollins even still probably considers him a friend and thinks that they're friends but to go out there in public and say that your friend couldn't handle the wwe rigors and wwe schedule and that he took his ball and went home is really weird phrasing for a guy that literally did none of those things and did and, and uh did the rest of his contract made all of his dates made all of tv participated in storylines and did all the necessary stuff asked of him his fucking wife still works renew- for the company yeah but but then didn't renew his deal it's a really that's a really strange position to take when none of those things you're claiming happened because he didn't leave because he couldn't handle the schedule he left because he was creatively frustrated yeah, I mean, so I don't understand what the fuck he was doing here. Yeah, it's 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 a wild ass take, and that like like to me that's a big part of it too. Like Renee still works for the company. Renee is still on Total Divas. Like, if if it was scorched earth, take your ball and go home. I'm sorry, but you don't let you don't have your wife still working there. Look at what happened with Punk, right? Like when Punk yeah. left, AJ was still there, but there was a fucking big time cloud hanging overhead and then she was gone how how quickly afterwards like as soon as her deal was done she's gone renee is still there and still seems to be in good standings with the company like i the the idea that you put this into like he didn't hack it he there's any ill will like he did everything professionally and i think that they treated him with a lot of respect going out of it to the to where the door is still open and i think that Ambrose, we talked about it, but Ambrose shows up on a show, and I think that he actually draws, you know, because he pulls from a lot of different fan bases. We talked to it, we've talked about it a bunch, and part of it too is like this, like even WWE still wants to keep him happy. So, yeah, like that's fucking insane for him to like show up on this podcast and and start taking Ambrose to task. What what's fucking crazy too is like he's going. He's going at Osprey about size. I mean, both guys are built at six one. I don't know how tall they both are, but I've you know I've seen Osprey up close and in person. I've seen 
Well, you know, funnily enough, because the pictures, people are like re-leaking pictures of, of Rollins there, but I've seen Rollins backstage at PWG shows. I've seen Osprey in the ring, and I wouldn't say that they're any different in height. They're pretty close to the same size, weight-wise, physically. Like, you know, and then he compares Osprey to Ricochet, which I can understand because I've seen Ricochet, and I will say that, like, Ricochet up close in person, like, was surprising because when you watch him on TV, he looks like maybe he's, like, the same size as Osprey. But, like, Ricochet is actually closer to the same size as Rey Mysterio. Like, Ricochet is actually... Yeah, Osprey's a pretty good amount bigger than Ricochet. Yeah, but you don't notice it because Ricochet wrestles big. He really does. He always has had... Yeah, he, he project, he's always projected himself... Well, at least it's like 2013, 2014. projects himself way bigger than he actually is. Yeah, so you... You know, you I can definitely see why if Rollins sees Ricochet and has seen Osprey in the ring with Ricochet and he thinks that they're the same size because of the way they wrestle, I could understand that. And then, you know, Ricochet is smaller, but, like, you know, <laughs> to call Osprey little guy and, like, realistically, dude, you're the same size as Osprey. And then we don't need to get into conversations about, uh, you know, what's going on down below with Osprey's, you know, reported, like, um, well-endowedness coming from B. Presley, um, as opposed to pictures that we've seen of Seth Rollins. So t- attacking the guy about size was probably a bad move on on Rollins's part, honestly. Um, and it also doesn't it just, make like, sense. It, it just came. It, it just came across. It just came across really bad because like, it's like a like a necessarily like Hollywood response, right? Because all because you're saying I'm the best wrestler alive, blah 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 blah, and all Will says is I'm alive, right? And you're like, oh, little guy, buddy, pal, and all these disingenuous things, and like you look, you just look like a piece of shit, like, right. and it's like, how do you look that bad? With Will Ospreay being the other guy in the conversation. And I'm someone that, like, I'm not going to say I've defended Will Ospreay and how he comes across on Twitter. Like, the guy definitely, like, flat out called Pollyanna a liar for saying that um, his buddy sexu- sexually assaulted her. His and buddy that's who has, a, has disappeared from the wrestling industry since. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. So, like,. He has, he's done some shitty things. He's acted in ways that were immature. But do I ultimately think Will Ospreay's a bad guy? I, I don't think so. I think he's just really dumb and doesn't think before he says things. I think sometimes people get on him for things that are just typical dumb guy things. Not like, oh, this is like an aggressively like bigoted or outwardly bad person things. And... Like either way, Will still has that reputation about him, and you are coming out looking like the bad guy in a Twitter feud with Will Osprey, and obviously, like people like us are gonna understand how bad that sounds and looks, but I don't think Rollins understand understands how bad that looks. That like you come across horribly on this and i don't think you generated any buzz for yourself you just look like an ass yeah and it's not even like the you know like he's our you know you can we can't you can't pick on our guy he's our like we all pick on osprey for being stupid on twitter but he's our guy because a lot of people really dislike osprey and think that he's an idiot on twitter which is very fair some some people just dislike osprey based on twitter and what he's done on twitter yeah so like he it's that bad with him so there's no diff like defense is being made it's just rollins looked that bad yeah and what's great about it is you know his his girlfriend or you know his partner here becky lynch who it, like <laughs> she makes a fucking comment on it and comes out smelling like roses too like it no, just hold on, hold on hold on here hold on here. 
All right, can we admit that Becky Lynch's t- Twitter is fucking terrible now? I haven't been paying attention, but I all I know is she was good, and then like her comment on this was good. But okay, other than that, okay. So her her bio says nothing but work gets oh. done here. Anyone who feels the same, work rate queen three sixteen at the ratings And I saw the the little like bio war that she got into with Edge, which I thought was like cringe was cringe bad. Um, so yeah, her Twitter is falling off too, but I thought that her response to this was, was pretty good and kind of harkened back to her quality kind of Twitter takes or her kind of quality social media endeavors. But yeah, this is, she's falling off too. And I blame it on Seth Rollins. He's a bad influence. I'm not sure I can even blame Rollins. I think she's having the effect on him. You think so? You think she's like, I think Rollins, Rollins was like an inoffensive tweeter. Like, I had no interest in what Seth Rollins has to say on Twitter, but he never did anything that like came across my feed because it was like so egregiously like cringy or dumb until Becky Lynch came around. So That's I got, got a got a feeling that it might be Becky Lynch here in her uh little Twitter games. Well, like I said, I think that I heard that it's an edict um you know f- from on high to be a little bit more positive towards wwe on social media and maybe seth thought that by pushing himself as a champion would help present himself as the uh as the top guy here um you know what i mean so i could definitely see where that would be but in the same kind of conversation about new edicts and new kind of important processes in wwe the big news coming out just recently as WWE continues to scramble to have some kind of relevancy, um, is Paul Heyman taking over Raw and Eric Bischoff taking over SmackDown? Um, you know, I... go ahead, <laughs> go. I don't fucking know. Like, I saw that and I thought they just meant it in an on-screen way, and then I kept reading, and I was like, "Oh God, this is like an actual thing that's going on," or is and... it? Is it really? I don't. I thought I. The way they announced it makes me think that it might be more on screen. But I'm seeing a lot of people saying that this is like a real thing, and they'll be like slowly ease into their roles and creative power. So I don't know. It could wind up being both. But I I read it as okay, like this is just some on screen thing to drive up ratings. But I'm seeing so many people like talk about the backstage happenings and workings of this, and this looks like it's real. Right, and we'll we'll see where it goes from here. I'm I'm interested. I hear you know the takes that I'm hearing about Eric Bischoff, and he doesn't make sense, and I understand why he doesn't. But they're also moving to a major network, and Eric Bischoff has history working with major television networks, not just in wrestling and i think that's the issue with a lot of people who cover wrestling they don't think about the fact that like he had bischoff levin productions for a long time producing reality tv shows for major networks they actually produced a pretty popular show recently and i can't remember what it was but something that was getting like mainstream buzz and was actually pretty popular um relatively recently so the idea that like people are questioning why would you have bischoff be the guy who's going to be your intermediary between wwe and fox doesn't seem shocking to me because he's a guy who has a lot of history in communicating with networks and honestly you're hiring him 
less for his wrestling acumen and more for his network television acumen. Like, you know what I mean? So he's kind of more that bridge of like someone who's worked for the company before. He knows wrestling tangentially, but he's got a lot of experience dealing with with the networks. And on the opposite side of things, I think Heyman makes sense to then be in charge of Raw because now you've got the shiny veneer network television guy on SmackDown dealing with the network. And then you've got the wrestling guy on Raw. Do I think that it was the right choice in either point no i don't think that either guy realistically has the grasp or the reach to really be booking wrestling in 2019 but i get the logic and i and a lot of people who are looking at it like it's just grasping at straws of the monday night wars which i kind of understand um i think are overlooking the big picture which is that like what you've got is you've got the guy who can be the shiny veneer of network television wrestling and then you've got the guy who can be the gritty wrestling wrestling for the main show the the flagship the historical you know raw is war on on the usa network this is wrestling as it's always been and you've got the guy who's got that connection to wrestling because for all of the things that ecw and paul Heyman has done to be different or whatever like however people think of him as like a you know like a um uh, like a fire brand or, 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 or just doing everything that's like novel and brand new. But realistically, he's like a pretty main, like not mainstream, but like a bare bones purist when it comes to old school wrestling. And so mm. I can definitely see the idea that now you push it as raw as wrestling. Smackdown is network television. And I could definitely see that working. It's a, it's a flip on like historically what they've what they've done for both the shows too, you know. You remember the um, original Heyman era SmackDown. SmackDown was the wrestling show, and Raw was still Raw, and you know the whole story of SmackDown beating Raw in the ratings and everyone back there getting pissed and how how all how that how that all went, and then even as recently as 2016 when the brand split resurfaced, and we have SmackDown. That albeit wasn't doing amazing in the ratings, but as far as discourse on social media, SmackDown was getting praised all the time with talking smack and the matches and having guys like AJ Owens uh, and all these people going out there and having uh, interesting promos. The Miz, obviously, Brian in the general manager general manager role, and even if it wasn't entirely wrestling based, it was a show that had buzz around it. And then Raw wasn't bad at that time, but it was definitely way behind uh, SmackDown in that sense. Yeah, and I think that now we're gonna it's gonna be a flip, and it's gonna be interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised that part of the thinking on that is that Vince is protecting his brand um, because you know historically Raw is the Vince brand, and I think that what you're talking about there with SmackDown doing different things and being the brand that he's more willing to take the risks with. It's like, it kind of plays into this as well. SmackDown is being pushed to the network television. SmackDown is being run by the guy who's got the, you know, more network television friendly ideas. And then raw is going to consecrate back more into wrestling so that if something, if this kind of testing the waters of network television thing fails, you can have your kind of protected raw brand. That's still, wrestling and i think that this really shows something that people have kind of 
have kind of shit on Vince historically a lot about that he doesn't respect wrestling, but I think that this honestly shows kind of a protection of that brand of wrestling. He's he's trying to take that leap and test the waters on doing something that's even more kind of sports entertainment while also hedging his bets with the brand that he's more protective of and keeping it more protected as the you know the brand that's pure wrestling even if it's you know it's still not going to be pure wrestling but it's it's very interesting the whole thing is very interesting i've heard a lot of takes about you know these guys being checked out and historically like who's this and who's that and i just you know i i remember like i was thinking about it earlier but i was remembering that period of time when raw everything on raw was dog shit everything in wwe was dog shit except for like the bizarro world that was cm punk and paul Heyman, and you know, that was 100% Paul Heyman. So I can definitely see he's still got something there. And all of the things that people point to that Heyman has had his fingerprints on recently have all been stuff that's really good. So to me, it's a positive. Still, still, if if it wouldn't be my number one choice, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how this unfolds. It's going to be very interesting to see what this actually means and how much of it is real, how much of it's on screen, and how much of it is real but also you know kind of kabuki theater because vince doesn't really want to get into too much into like actually letting other people take the reins you know it's like if you did want to and i on, on the smackdown end i think it's more understandable than um um than raw because smackdown is moving to fox and that is a really big deal for them and Having Eric Bischoff, who I'm I'm pretty sure has never held any creative power in WWE, right? Yeah, no, he's only been on screen in WWE. Right, and announcing him for this and being on screen on top of that, that, at least short term, could help. With Paul Heyman, I don't understand it, though. I don't understand because, one, Paul Heyman's been around the company consistently since 2012. It's not like Paul Heyman has been gone from the picture. He's been on TV. He's been a part of everything. So it's not like Paul Heyman is fresh blood for the audience the way Eric Bischoff is. And on top of that, if you are going to go with this thinking of, well, we're going to make Raw the wrestling show, then I feel like anybody else could have done that. And it's not to say that Paul serves no purpose here. But if that is the thinking, then... I think anyone could have done that. Ryan, like, 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 I'm not sure if Ryan Ward is still in the company or Ryan Ward's um position in the company at this point. But that was like Ryan Ward's calling card in like the peak of his booking powers and NXT and SmackDown. So I don't, I don't exactly see what you gain from putting Paul in this position from those two standpoints. But I think Eric, at least in a short burst could provide some sort of spark right and i mean so you want to talk about people who could fill in for that wrestling thing i mean there's one guy who's a disciple of paul Heyman who would probably be the best another good argument for be to be your you know wrestling guy who could have taken it over easily but he's too busy because you've got to have someone competing directly with aew so you've got gabe sapolsky booking evolve now that's going to be on the network um, and they're doing the direct competition show with the next AEW show. So, I mean, you know, it's so it's so fucking crazy to watch the lineage of this company as it's like eaten up everything. Um, as you do have Paul Heyman now running Raw, 
and you've got you know the closest thing to his you know number one disciple, his son in the wrestling world, in Gabe Sapolsky booking Evolve, um, booking you know WWN <laughs> umbrella company. We'll say for the anniversary, the ten year anniversary, going straight up against Fighter Fest, um, which I hear people a lot of people are having trouble saying the name of the show. Which it's a playoff of Firefest, obviously, but it's it's just Fighter Fest, like the word fighter, like fighting games. Yeah. Um, I, so everyone, if you're listening to this and you don't understand what that is, it, even though it has a Y in there, it might be confusing. It's just Fighter Fest. It's spelled funny, um, but they're going up against now. They're going up against um, Evolve 10th anniversary show that has Akira Tozawa. It has Adam Cole. It has who else is a WWE wrestler that's on it? I think there's maybe one or two others. Um, and you've got Kenny Omega, a guy who me and you both have talked positively about tweeting, you know, attacks and being butthurt, I guess you could say about this. What do you think about Evolve being on the network, about WWE competing directly with AEW through a, you know, an umbrella company, all of this, like. I don't know. What's your takeaway here? Is is Kenny right that this is a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Does it matter? I mean, I don't think it matters because it's evolved. Like, like, like frankly, I don't think anyone's going to watch it. So, while I get why, why someone like Kenny would be upset by it and think that it's sort of bullshit and this, this is like going to hurt wrestling or hurt AEW, it's evolved. I don't think that's going to be a problem, especially when with Fighter Fest, I think they're doing something where uh, if you sign up for BR Live, you get you get to watch the show for free. So I'm not worried about AEW on that perspective at all. I just do think that it makes it clear while some people have always maintained a position that uh, AEW isn't a problem here here at WWE and we don't really care about all that stuff. It's like, well, you're kind of directly putting one of your umbrella umbrella companies right in front of aew's uh path here and while it isn't super blatant like i don't know like having like a takeover on the same day as a big aew show that but it does show that like everything that we've like if you listen to the shit like this or other other deep niche like wrestling podcasts you know that obviously wwe cares about aew but this is just like more proof to that being a, being the case. Right. And this is like weirdly testing the waters. It's it, it allows a, a, an amount of separation. Like you talked about, even, even doing a takeover would be like a little bit closer. It's, it's, I mean, it's similar to Paul Heyman running raw. It's, it's creating this air of, of detachment so that if it fails, you can blame it on somebody else, which feels like that's part of it too. This is it too. They can kind of, Oh, it's just evolve. If they don't outdraw AEW, which they won't, if they don't, you know, beat mm. AEW in, in views, which they won't, it doesn't matter because it's evolved. But then they're really testing the waters. They're saying, how far do we have to go to really compete with them? And and we'll see. And the biggest part about it, too, is it, I don't know, is it that they really see what it is? Because Fighter Fest is kind of a BC level show for AEW, really. It was like. Right, which is, right, which is why I think they're putting their, like, C level. Um, umbrella company on the same day as them because it was like all out like the day all out is I'm not particularly sure but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if I saw like an NXT show or whatever happening on the same day as all out right which would probably still be beneath all out really 
I think you'd have to run like a, a WWE level show, maybe not a pay per view, but a show against All Out to really be talking about actually competing at this point. But yeah, I mean, running Evolve versus Fighter Fest feels close to the same level. Maybe it might even still be NXT. It might you might even probably should be running a, a takeover against Fighter Fest. But Fighter Fest is like a, a B level thing. They ran it last year with more of like affiliation to New Japan, and it wasn't really, didn't really matter. So, you know, Kenny turning it into, and that's another thing. Like, is Kenny doing outrage trolling when he turns it into like this is about the, you know, we're doing this for a charity, or is that authentic? I don't, I, I can't tell. Like, the thing about Kenny Omega is, you might think that he, you know, because he tweets and deletes, that maybe it was like, oh, he got emotional and said something, but he also may have known what he was doing, and I don't necessarily mm. know that it wasn't like he wasn't intentionally kind of saying something that was again, like kind of concern trolling and not necessarily authentic that he cares that it's a, a charity show. And that really hurts his feelings. He's just, again, just trying to rally the, the base against WWE and maybe went a little bit too far, or maybe it was designed to be tweeted and deleted to begin with. Cause that's another thing that people like think that if you tweet and delete, then that means something um, or it could also have been planned. You could like intentionally people do intentionally do that you know so i don't know it's it's all drumming up controversy the show itself fighter fest seems like it has some decent matches on it the evolve show doesn't really have anything i care about and and i think that what you said was really the the biggest kind of takeaway is that no one's gonna fucking watch no one cares about evolve i mean realist like i'm just gonna say it right now no one cares about evolve we're on a podcast network that used to include a podcast that talked about evolve and that shows fucking dead because nobody cares about evolve you know what i well, mean well, and, and not even that is like like um, one a big part of this shows or um like we don't we don't know wrestling's uh early existence was going on the always Barry tanners and praising evolve right like so it's like it's not like anyone here has some issue against the company it's just the fact like no one fucking cares yeah. like like the wrestling turret sites, no one puts up Evolve. Like, like that, that should sort of tell you where we're at here. Yep, no one wants to watch it, and it was it was really the flow stamp stuff that killed it in a lot of ways. That was when the buzz died a, a lot. But like you know, either way, it doesn't matter what caused it. It's just it's dead. It the the buzz is gone. And realistically, if WWE really like, if WWE really wanted to fucking fight with Fighter Fest, honestly, what's got the most buzz on WWE Network right now? that could actually draw from that would be if they fucking released vault stuff. You know what I mean? Like the, the, from the vault thing to me feels like it gets more buzz online than evolve. Am I crazy to say that the Tom McGee versus no. Bret Hart thing felt like a bigger deal than anything evolve has done in the past year. Or the, or the Crockett cup yeah. match um, with the sheep herders and fantastics coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if they just put out the, cause I think, I don't even know if the Bret Hart Tom McGee matches on the network. If they put that on the network, to if you know oh we're gonna play that for the first time on the network to count program fighter fest i think that would probably draw more viewers than evolve will if i'm perfectly honest it's such a weird fall from grace too because last year uh, like there were flashes and you'd like want to be like oh okay like evolve maybe because still have something here and then you slowly realize that Gabe is just sort of biding time until he is making his way into wwe which is all this ever was honestly if we're being completely real with ourselves, Gabe has been biding time for uh, his t- for his chance to get in WWE, and 
I think the last couple of years of Evolve have been complete coasting. And now that he's in WWE, he really has no reason to care. And he'll get on Twitter and talk about how proud he is of these guys and how he hasn't checked out on them. But you can't tell me that this dude really cares about Evolve anymore. Right. And I mean, it's it's he's been a smart businessman about wrestling his entire time. He's never put his money into any of the companies from ROH to WWN. He was never the money guy. He's always been basically an employee, you know, of these companies. That's all he does. He doesn't really, you know, put him his own neck on the line, and that's fine. Um, and finally, he ends up in the place where he gets to just continue to do that. He doesn't have to risk his neck. He's just an employee of WWE, and that's. I mean, that's what pays off for him, and it was pretty smart from him from the beginning, and he's getting what he wants out of it. It sucks because there was some interesting stuff happening in Evolve at times. There was even interesting stuff in Evolve happening now. The stuff with the Skulk has been pretty good. Leon Ruff feels like a guy who could actually make something. He could be like the, a new Darby Allin-level star, but, but no one is paying attention. No one cares, and nothing's going to probably happen with him, especially now unfortunately because of where he's at but i bring him up darby allen um this is a great transition darby allen recently had a pretty decent match with scotty davis another guy who could be a solid act if his company was getting his name out there in any way or if his connections weren't like to fucking third rate satellite co-op brands like fight club pro and things like this you know scotty davis fantastic worker too but this is a problem right now is i don't know that I feel like there's a vacuum for star power. Did you happen to watch the Darby Allen versus Scotty Davis match from the recent OTT Wrestle Rama show? Yes, yeah, I. What did you like, think? Like when it, when it, when I got announced, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is probably gonna be great." And yeah, like I'm not I'm not shocked at all that two really good wrestlers went out there and had a really good match. It's sort of a dream match in the sense that like when Scotty isn't completely hindered by his brain worms to to, know one of our favorite little one of our favorite little slack terms when he's not hindered by those he's a really great wrestler because scotty is a guy where he's like still like 18 19 years old so he likes to try a lot of things and he can he tries strikes he tries high flying he can do all of those all of those things but end of the day like his main strength is his throwing and his actual amateur wrestling background and i that's what I that's what I sort of wanted to see him implement a little bit here. And Darby has been one of the best underdog sellers and uh baby faces around and um a guy that has like an underrated amount of versatility to him too, can go on the mat, Scotty can go on the mat. So it was a match where either either way it went, I don't think there was gonna be any any wrong doing here unless they just went full like spot fest. But I don't think that this was that and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and and that was definitely Likely with the way both guys are, but they open it up with a nice playing off of like you talked about that the both of them have technical map based or grappling based um, backgrounds or, or prowess, but they did it in a really good way with with Darby playing off of kind of doing a little bit more of the Lucha style and, and, and in the sense that Lucha can be a little bit, you know, not as serious. You talk about the, like, gua- grave, guave, not, I'm thinking. Yave. Yave style that can be a little kind of jokey at times, a little bit, not, I guess it's not even jokey, but it's a little bit far-fetched, I guess I will say, a little fantastical. Um, and Darby kind of brought a little bit of that while Scotty was bringing a little bit more of the serious kind of, you know, 
for lack of a better term, world of sport, you know, more amateur style. Grappling, opening up early on, big throws. But you know what was a standout for me? And it was that Darby was bringing it in the veteran role here. He felt like the Mm. outside star who had the presence, who had the demeanor of someone who had something to lose, which is the opposite of what you normally get from Darby Allen's kind of personality in wrestling matches. Most of the time, Darby Allen is the underdog who's got, throws all care and caution to the wind. And again, has nothing to, to lose as a guy who can, can basically like, you know, live or die with every move. And in this match, there was some gravitas to the way that he was moving, the way that he was acting and the way that he was, combating scotty davis so i really enjoyed that to see that layered side of of darby that he's always had and there is historically examples of him doing this in the past but it's really easy with darby to forget because he can come across like such a a caricature almost of like you know what to what you're going to get from darby that you forget there's a lot more to him or at least i do and a lot of times he will surprise me when i see him dust this kind of stuff off and bring it out and i go oh yes darby allen is more than just you know die for your sins take the fucking crazy bumps get hit in the elbow with a shovel guy and that that this was a great showing for that it's fucking sucks that it feels like scotty davis is languishing on the vine and i would say comparatively and this might be you know for a lot of people in the uk scene i'm sorry jamesy maybe maybe he'll agree though because it's a uh, fellow irishman but i think if you did a comparison between Scotty Davis right now to Tyler Bate at his age, I think Scotty Davis is worlds better. And and Tyler Bate was kind of the last guy that people talked about as like this fucking insane phenom of a like, you know, an amateur. But like I think that well rounded all the way around, everything about him, plus charisma, plus just like a certain kind of poise, Scotty Davis is like head and shoulders above what Tyler Bate was at this time. Right. And it's weird that Scotty is still like like scratching and trying to figure out how to uh, make this thing work because he has still hasn't really been pushed in OTT that hardly. Uh, he, I don't is Will Ospreay's company still a thing that frontline <laughs> yeah. hero thing? I don't know. I I don't. I really don't know. I think but he, but he, 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 he was yeah he, he was he was meant to be like one of the young lions there, and that seemed sort of weird for a guy that's like one of the, like the OTT's brightest brightest young stars. And he just hasn't gotten much of a chance to do anything. Granted, Tyler was the same way. Tyler really didn't get pushed anywhere until um, British Strong Style became a thing. So maybe like a big thing that takes over the scene that took that takes over a scene is what Scotty is missing. But there's also no scene to take over. Right, and that's so. I mean, that's a, so it's weird for him. That's a great transition to another kind of topic that that Cody. I'll give a big shout out to Cody. He's my he's my number one dude in the Slack. I love Cody. Um, but um is nxt uk good for the european scene or is it actually just completely destroying the european scene because what could scotty be involved in that would be a big thing that would break out nothing feels like it matters in the in the uk scene or the european scene right now to where like it feels like scotty could get any kind of footing to make a name for himself it's it's like as much as you don't like saying it because a lot of these guys are still being allowed to work in um, these uh, in these companies, at least some, at least some of them. But all the buzz is gone. Like these guys can show up and just 
nobody cares anymore. And I think a lot of people still go just because it's good wrestling and they have some good memories there. But I don't think anyone really, truly cares anymore. And I don't think I can be convinced otherwise. I think people will tell you like, oh, no, but we are really trying to get the guys like OJMO and uh, Connor Mills and Maverick Mayhew and Jordan Brakes into like the next level. But no, you fucking don't. You don't care what Danny Duggan do- Danny Duggan does. Kara Noir, like, who's really interesting character, but yeah, like you you guys don't give a shit about Dan McGee and uh, Curtis Chapman and Rob Lies. You don't give a fuck. It's, it's like that's fine, but I don't like this idea that no, we're still committed to bringing British wrestling up and English wrestling up and European wrestling really up and. No, we're just not. You guys really don't care anymore. And it's fine because the wrestlers don't really care anymore. They're all off getting these shitty WWE deals with their pro wrestling tea stores and big cart- big cartel stores still being up. And that's totally fine with them. And I think once you reach this level of the wrestlers being fine with mediocrity... And all being in the malaise, and that rubs off on the fans. I think that's part of what happened to the what, what happened to WWE main roster eventually. I think that's what happened to NXT at least some of the time. Although NXT has its moments where it feels like it's breaking through, and all of NXT UK feels like like just like you defeated something. It feels like something got conquered, and that's not what wrestling should feel like. It feels like they actually came in and took over a territory and conquered it and they're just coasting through everything because they have nothing else to worry about and i just don't let me say let me, i won't even say don't like i actually hate the idea that we really sit here and care about what's going on anymore these guys anymore because we just really don't because on some level i think we've actually failed them because after collapsing the scene and after already signing everybody they're not coming back for all your little buddies they're not coming back for them they already got what they wanted because what's the point of signing these guys if there's no scene for them to become a big deal in right it's already done you're not opening the door for everyone if anything you actually shut that fucking thing like airtight because all these guys they're not getting deals anytime soon yeah i mean look at aussie open two guys who me and you adored they have the tag team champions every, every champ, championships everywhere right now, and I don't know what was the last Aussie Open match you watched. Um, I know. I want to say versus Suzuki Gun, but that was a couple of months ago. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. These are two guys who they have phenomenal matches. They still continue to have great matches. I can't waste my time paying attention to them. I'm waiting for them to get signed to. New Japan, or I guess WWE, maybe, or you know what I mean, or AEW. I'm waiting for them to show up somewhere else for me to care. That's what that that's what it's become. It's like that's what wrestling has become. And when we have this, when we have this, these conversations, and it doesn't even need to necessarily be about NXT UK. It's just like what wrestling has become. And when you mm-hmm. see these things, like now you're just waiting for all these guys to like for the shoe to drop. Like okay, like guy, like like is someone gonna go? somewhere because so they then they can have matches that i care about and then they go to that place and then they're not really getting matches like fucking keith lee right (laughs) 
Keith Lee's been in WWE for a year now, hasn't he? Yeah. Getting getting close to that. Hasn't been on, hasn't been on the takeover yet. Hasn't gotten anything of note yet. And that was fucking Keith Lee. The closest like, thing is he had a, a the teasing of starting a feud with Donovan Dijak, basically. Like, Keith Lee, big fucking star. Like, really big star. Like, one of the biggest stars to come out of the indies, I think, that like felt like a big widespread thing the last few years. Hasn't been on a single takeover. Yeah. And it's like, that's just the state of wrestling we're in right now. So, while this whole thing is about NXT UK, it's like just drills into my mind the insane like so, ins- like dry state of wrestling we're in right now and i'll be perfectly honest like i i take off from watching wrestling like so often now not because of getting burnt out or anything it's because i feel like i have so little to actually watch that i give a fuck about there's so much to watch and nothing to care about i know yeah it's so much out there and then it's also like nothing to care about that's really like, i've mainly watched japanese wrestling this year and the last what three or four years it's usually been european wrestling so to sit here and like go through all this stuff i haven't watched a single attack show i haven't watched a single fight club pro show i usually like will scatter like 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 go around youtube and like scratch and claw through youtube so i can find some matches for guys um in europe I haven't done that this year and it's I, I can't give a fuck and I'm just not used to being in a position where I really just care so little about something I really love and that's what NXT UK has done to me because every time I think about it I get this overwhelming feeling of these guys don't give a fuck and these guys don't care about themselves or this scene that they claim to cherish and value so much but then I actually go look at what they left behind and I see that it's all complete bullshit. <laughs> right. No, and it is, it's widespread. It's not just the UK scene. I mean, I, I was tweeting about it earlier, maybe it was this week, last week or whatever, but PWG. The tickets just went on sale for the PWG show. And I'm like, who's the champion? Oh, it's Jeff Cobb, one of my fucking all-time favorite dudes. You know what I mean? I love Jeff Cobb. Who are the tag team champions? The Jeff Rascals. Co- Jeff Cobb made, Jeff Cobb made invented a, a, a Ring of Honor show tonight. Yeah, exactly. The, which, I guess, shout out to uh, to Tom Batista. He wanted us to talk about Best in the World. This is our, our talking about Best in the World, kind of, because I don't think either of us are going to watch it. But Jeff Cobb's a guy who I fucking the show love was, for years. The show was in my city. The show <laughs> is like... The show was like 30 minutes away from me. I love Jeff Cobb. Not as much as you, but I love Jeff Cobb. Yeah. I didn't go to the show. <laughs> right. The the tag team champions in PWG are the Rascals. You know, they're running a show. Holy shit. Four miles from my house. I fucking. The Rascals, the rascals are the tag champs? Yes. Yeah. Uh, another guys who are firmly dudes who I've fucking Holy been huge shit. fans of for how long? You know what I mean? I love those guys. And I could not be bothered to want to fucking go. I don't care. Like, I, and this is, this is a company, like I said, that runs a couple miles from my place. I ride my bike over to where the theater is all the fucking time. I could easily go. And I just, I'm not interested at all. It's the people who I care about the most in wrestling. And I can't be, I can't even be bothered to get off the fucking couch. That's where it's at with wrestling right now. And I'm a big time, if people listen to the old podcast that I was on, you know, a big thing that we talked about was how much we loved going to live wrestling shows. You know, we would talk about live wrestling all the fucking time. And I just, I, it's, it it's it's really difficult to give a shit right now because everything feels so much the same 
everything feels so boring nothing really fucking matters and i'm just like disengaged i'm not burnt out in the sense that like i'm watching too much or disinterested or, this is exactly yeah. this isn't a burnt out thing you just we just don't care because why would you care it's having like the passion like violently ripped from you right like what like what is there to like, possibly give a fuck about when we're talking about the european wrestling scene and that hurts to say it really does hurt but i what like so when nxt whenever gets brought i just haven't watched a single match from nxt uk I can't like blame you. Single thing. I can't like blame a single you. thing. It just like turns me off so much knowing like what happened afterwards. But yeah, oh god, how long how long are we going NXT UK? <laughs> like long. how sad it is. But here's the thing, there are some companies that are doing things and it sucks because everything else is zapping and draining your intrigue. But like right now tonight, three two one battle has a show on. As we're recording, 321 Battle is starting. 321 Battle shows are always awesome. There's southern mm. indie companies that I still enjoy following. SUP, um, Action. They're, they always put on great shows with great matches. You know, AC Matt. Beyond's been doing a week. Beyond's been doing a weekly show that for all for like everything that I've been hearing has done really well. Surprisingly, yeah. And they they're built. They're making stars. If you watch Act or uh, Uncharted Territory week to week, Thomas Santel, um, Chris Dickinson. And Solo Darling are all becoming stars on that show, regularly having matches. The crowds fucking are into them. To what level you say, is it like, you know, charisma, personality, work rate, all that? You can argue whatever you want. But either way, they're authentically becoming stars to those crowds that are paying attention. There's, there is stuff out there, but it's so, it's so hard to find. <laughs> it really is. AC Mack, like, I was just going to say, AC Mack is probably one of the best young prospects in wrestling right now he's the action champion he's amazing he's a great promo his in-ring work is fantastic trained by ar fox you know has a bunch of really cool matches big time personality all this stuff but unfortunately it's like i heard him being interviewed recently and he's talking about how like his dream is wwe and it's crazy to hear someone in 2019 still at his level that's like someone who's brainwashed wwe is the place to be like I can't imagine because he's probably younger than I am. He's probably close to your age, maybe even younger than you. And I can't imagine at that age being brought up on WWE in a way where you still think that that's the place to be. But I guess it is. And it's it's just going to continue to constantly be seen that way. I mean, Kevin Owens, what the fuck is going on with him? But it's the same thing. It's like when he was young, WWE was it. And I think that he's probably happy doing what he's doing right now. Because he's in WWE. And so, you know, it's, it's, you gotta hunt for it, but even then, sometimes you find it, and even when you still find it, it's kind of like a little bit of a bummer because it, it, all you can think about is that it's going to end up badly, you know? Like the, the time that I, that I used to spend, like watching like so much wrestling, like, like hours on end and just like going through Japan, Mexico, Australia, the United States, Europe, and all that, and just like just plowing through stuff. I spent I spent that like watching CSI Crime Investigation <laughs> Archer <laughs> the last month. Like, and I gotta tell you, like I've been I've been enjoying that way more than I've been enjoying trying to force myself to care about wrestling. And when I watch wrestling, I enjoy it. Like like watching like David Starr versus Walter, I really fucking enjoyed that match. Like 
nothing's gonna stop me from enjoying a match but it's also like doing the work of like going and downloading the show having to go to whatever streaming service and go get the sh- go get the show loaded up and all that's just like i it's like it's like a physical like uh i really don't feel like doing a thing and i gotta end up like probably season five of archer is probably better than most wrestling i'm gonna wind up finding right now in 2019 right. it isn't, isn't necessarily an insult the season five of archer is one of some of the best television i think that's been produced in the last few years but it's is i think it's really a testament that i'd rather like spend my time and my free time playing like nba 2k and watching csi crime investigation than i would like trying to watch wrestling and can catch up on wrestling and obviously like i'm always gonna do my catch up i'm always gonna have enough and ready in store to do like a top to top 100 or the top 50 we do but i've been stuck in this place of just like trying to find the ways to care and i usually find it in watching old wrestling and maybe one day we'll just do a week where we come in and talk about like the older wrestling we've been watching but like we were coming in here to talk about like the New Japan versus War feud and how fucking good Janichiro Tenru was in 1993, I'm all, I'd be all on board. But 2019 and trying to force myself to care about what's going on in like NXT UK, like can't fucking do it. Yeah, and I can't, I can't blame you. But like you know, again, I I'll always say I'm like I'm more apt, more inclined to want to talk about current stuff than I am to want to talk about old stuff because unfortunately as good as Tenryu is it doesn't matter how much I talk about him here I'm not going to help like open people's eyes or help his career by talking about him on our podcast but meanwhile there are people you know like you know Kane Justice for an idea like I could talk about Kane Justice and hopefully people will pay attention to him you know Dan Makabe hopefully people will see what he's doing right now like, like, like we were a big part in like the Aussie Open stuff we were like but before they even started getting big bookings, we were talking about Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher killing it on attack in right. Fight Club Pro shows. Right. So we take joy in that. And I think eventually we're going to find that um, spark again. But this is what happens to independent wrestling after a big wave like this happens. Is that eventually it has to rebuild itself. And being not even a year removed from... NXT UK or like NXT UK being a real thing. Cause remember NXT you got NXT UK got announced and then took months and months and months and months to actually um, air anything. And we got to give it time to replenish itself and develop again. And this goes for Europe and this goes for the United States. We need to give all these things time again. And it's just so hard when we're in an era in a generation rather of like everything being at your fingertips and you're actually watching everything develop and begin and end and crumble. And because we all we have access and knowledge to everything that's going on, we can't ever be like, oh, well, I guess I'll check in on this in a few months or whatever. We like we know what's happening day to day. We know what new people are popping up day to day. And I think because of that, we're also like we're lacking the patience with the development of some people like uh, Chris Statlander is someone that's only been wrestling for, what, two years. Right. And Chris Statlander is one of the, already one of the most talked about names in indie wrestling, and it's no offense to Chris Statlander, but like in in the, in the, in the last, like if this was a few years ago, I don't think Chris Statlander like rises to rises to the point where she's on the tip of everybody's no. tongue so fast. No, 
No, I mean, no. I so, mean, you watch her wrestle and her matches are fine and her – her matches. Her matches are, are good, but her performances are are fine, honestly. And I think that, like, some, some of it is, like, overblown. And, you know, I love fucking Dylan Hales. I really do. And I think that one of the strongest suits that Dylan Hales has is the ability to see – a diamond in the rough before other people can but i think that he sees more in her right now than is really there unfortunately because her performances are very good and she does have that raw athletic ability but yes five years ago fuck two years ago she no one's talking about her she doesn't she really doesn't matter because you know who she was two years ago penelope ford because to penelope right. ford and czw dojo shows was just as good athletically as Chris Stantlander is right now, and no one knew who the fuck she was. So yeah, I'm. It's like, yeah. It's like I don't. I don't it's like that's why it's so hard right now because there's really no like wall to see like like so like everybody can get their shit together again. We know what's going on minute by minute, second second by second. So it's really difficult to be like, okay, well it's time to give the scene time again. Because at the same time, you open Twitter and you see when they're announcing shows and who they're announcing on and who they're announcing for these matches, and you're going like, "All right, well, this person's good. I don't know if they should be getting like, book like a high profile booking in this place yet, but you know, like, shit happens now. And like, you got to do that. Yeah, and it's tough to find the guys, but I think a guy I've already brought his name up before, but like, there's guys, and he's just an example of this. But there's people that you can find. There's people, especially in the scene that he comes from, but like Dan Makabe. He's not a guy that you're rushing who's only been in the business for a couple of years because he shows signs of potential. He's a guy who is proven and has been wrestling for years and is really good. And these are the people that if you're trying to do these big bookings, you need to grab. And there's a lot of other guys in the Pacific Northwest scene who fit that bill. Ethan HD is a guy who doesn't get his name out there at all. Probably just as good as, as Dan, maybe you know closely like this is good steve west maybe not the best you know in ring wrestler but personality character and working a crowd you know in that same conversation so there's a lot of people that you can find that are probably hidden i mean i know of multiple people and honestly like the texas scene is starting some of the guys are starting to get out there you know ricky starks is now starting to get some bookings um his tag team partner aaron solo is showing up in was it ddt just recently maybe he's no Star- starks is starks is ddt solo is um i think might be on the new japan roster page new japan so like these guys are getting picked up from the smaller scenes texas you know pacific northwest southwest and then there's like the guys in limbo that aren't signed but they're also under like you know these smaller like you know like of all like the evolve guys like like kurt stallion and josh briggs and um austin theory like aren't signed but like they also can't really do anything cool because they're technically right. WWE guys. Right, and a guy who who kind of crossed my mind today earlier is Tyler Bateman. It felt like he had that chance with the violence is or violence unlimited stuff, um, with uh, Brody King and PWG. It seemed like oh, you know, he's this is actually his chance to finally break out. And then now it feels like that was a while ago. Now it feels like he's stagnated again to basically where he was. And now I'm like is he ever going to actually get his his chance and did he miss the opportunity where he was getting a little bit of buzz and now he's gone and no one's going to care but he's a guy that could but you know in the same conversation i'm you know talking about SoCal guys scorpio sky right now scorpio sky is having a career resurgence to the level that's probably he's a bigger star than he's ever been in his career so 
more and more people can come out later and later in their careers, I guess. Everyone's career can, you know, take different turns. But it's, it is interesting because you don't have to just rush, like, what's the hot new thing? There's, there's a lot of people who are bubbling underneath, you know, that could be, could be stars in the making. Could be stars. Thomas Santel, I mean, he was signed to OVW probably like 10 years ago. And now he's becoming a star on Uncharted Territory. So, I don't know what what's the what's the next step. There's a lot going on. It's just like someone needs to put it together. All right. So to step away from that really depressing conversation, there, someone said, "Come on, people! Seth Rollins walks into New Japan tomorrow, and he's undeniably in the top five. Don't confuse booking-based production with talent. Seth Rollins is a Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels hybrid. Put him anywhere." Give him twenty five minutes per match against top five talent against top talents and look the fuck out. Ooh, I mean, I guess like this. Should, I guess this can be. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Should we end, should we end the show on this? Yes, I think he could definitely be a top five junior in New Japan right now. Um, he'd be underneath Osprey and Shingo for sure, but he could definitely be in the conversation. Is he better than Taiji Ishimori? <sighs> barely, maybe barely. I don't know if I can go that far. I'm not, I'm not sure I can say he's better than Taiji Ishimori. So let's say, okay, he's definitely not better than Osprey. Okay, Osprey, not better than Shingo. I don't think he's better than Dragon Lee. No. Uh No. He's not. Yeah. I don't think he's better than Taiji Ishimori. He's not better than Rocky Romero. He's not better than Taguchi. Okay, not better than Taguchi. That's already seven. I mean, he's. Not, He's not better than Robbie Eagles. No, definitely not. Um, now what we got him? Is he better? Is he better than Show? <sighs> that's right now. That's debatable. But okay, okay. So I would like, give him better than Show. Okay, so I would assume you think he's better than Yo then. Uh, definitely, yeah. He's not okay. better than Bandito. <sighs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Okay, are we just going best of the Super Juniors guys? No, just juniors in New Japan. Because, I mean, if you're going to say he's top five overall, and I can already, we've already named eight juniors that are better than him. Yeah, he's not better than Bandito. Like, if we threw Gresham in there, he's not better than Gresham. Oh, yeah, if you count Gresham. But, I mean, Gresham, I wouldn't count Gresham. He's an ROH guy, really. Okay, but but so is Bandito, but. Bandito is not really an ROH. Oh, I I didn't mean Bandito. I meant El Desperado. Oh, Desperado. Sorry, sorry. Um,. All right, is he better than Kanemaru? As a heel, no. So I would give Kanemaru the edge just because Kanemaru is a much better heel. Okay. But in general, probably not. 25-minute 25, 25 match. <laughs> Who's, who has a better 25-minute match, Rollins or Kanemaru? Probably Kanemaru because he would actually tell the okay. story. You know what I mean? Twenty five minutes is a long time for Seth Rollins, honestly. Okay, so look, I think we got to like nine. We're juniors. at nine juniors in New Japan that are better than. I mean that. So we could stop there and just say Seth Rollins top ten junior in New Japan if he showed up today, um, and that feels fair. So I think I feel like that is a fair way to close out the show. You know what it is? It feels like people like, and I I don't like I don't dislike Seth Rollins. I mostly like him. I think. Yeah. I like I like the Ziggler matches that people didn't like. Like I have I have no issue with the dude, but it also feels like a thing that because it's WWE, like 
I don't think people really understand like how much faster or like how crazy of athletes like guys like Will and Shingo are. Right. And it's not to say Rollins isn't. Rollins has done some insane shit over his year over his years in wrestling. But I'm not sure if I put him in the in a in a wrestling ring with Shingo or Will right now that he's able to keep up the same right pace. He could get which there. isn't necessarily an, yeah, which isn't necessarily an insult, but it's like I think that really shows you like the kind of stuff like those guys are doing where like Rollins is a great athlete in his own right. But like I, I, that might be a little out of, a little out of his comfort zone right now. Well, and to be fair, his frame is bulked up more than it should be. Yeah. So he's got some extra weight on him that he doesn't naturally have. He could get back. Real, 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 real Kenny Omega problem. Right. right. Here. He could get back into the shape where he could probably get there. He could probably compete, you know, but he right now you drop him in the ring and I don't think he could. That's I mean. That's just 100% true. And, okay, we were talking about it earlier, but talking about him comparatively to what he's trying to be, and he's trying to, I think he's trying to be, like, you know, the new John Cena. He's the he's the guy. He's the, the, the man. And, it, honestly, this is... I, th- I, th- I think it's Shawn Michaels well, that he's trying to be. Yeah, I mean, personality-wise, he's more like Shawn Michaels, but I think, like, filling that archetype. But, like, just like Cena being the fucking good soldier who just keeps their head down and follows orders, like, kind of okay, thing. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And doesn't speak up, and it just goes to fucking show that that kind of precedent has been set because his boy got fired. And if he was the man in the company, wouldn't he have had the sway to keep Jimmy Jacobs, a fucking writer on the company in the company for taking a picture with the young books or whatever. And those guys have been friends, tag team partners, all this shit forever. And if he's, I wonder how he feels about Jimmy Jacobs getting fired now. Like after that Rollins interview, I really sat there and thought about like, like I wonder how he feels about punk and punk leaving. I wonder how he feels about Sasha Banks. Ooh, I wonder how he feels about Jimmy Jacobs. I'm like, I wonder how he like really feels about all these things. Cause is if, if he's sitting there doing this about a guy that literally like fulfilled his contract and then just didn't fulfill his contract, and he's calling that taking your ball and going home right. and not being able to handle it. Like, God, I can only imagine what he thinks about those people. I know, I know, and it's just again, it's 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 really a negative kind of culture of of wwe right now where a guy who supposedly is the top star and should have some kind of fucking stroke he could have spoken up and kept his his friend in the company and instead he gets fucking fired over a picture on a tweet you know what i mean it's just it's it's bullshit and it just it shows that there's like this weird fucking star fuckeriness about like how great it is to be in the wwe but again i'll, I'll just take it back to there seth rollins right now shows up in new japan and he's a top 10 junior at best let alone fucking top five wrestler overall there hold on hold on i have one more okay well we skipped over him is seth rollins better than el Fantasmo? damn this is the closer for this is the closer for the closer for the show yes. i'm gonna just close it on that honestly <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna actually just tell us, tell us, tell us your answer. Yes, please, everyone, get us. Oh, I guess that's what we should do. Plug the 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 podcast has an email uh, and a Twitter. Q and and a n d the word and t q and t r the word a r e um, on Twitter and q and t r at gmail dot com. Send us who's better, Seth Rollins or El Fantasmo. Questions, uh, topics, anything. Send it over there and follow us on Twitter too. Also, if you could give us your complete New Japan Junior rankings, if Seth Rollins was on the roster 
that would be appreciated. Yes. <laughs> we will read we will read them live on the air. Yes, please. I would I will definitely love that. Alright. Um did you um listen to the new Freddie Gibbs album? <laughs> I have not. Okay, so instead of closing off with Seth Rollins, I will say uh go listen to uh Freddie Gibbs and uh Mad Lib uh their second project together, Bandana. And Daniel Caesar also dropped the album yesterday, which I was very surprised by. But I like Daniel Caesar. Didn't like, didn't care much for his uh, comments about uh, race in America. But if I find the time to be able to like block that out of my head and listen to that, then I don't know. Daniel Caesar makes good music. Don't know if I'll be able to be able to um, get past that though. But maybe give that a listen. To I tremble, I tremble.